1: Girls love that. Chicks love the
0: last shot opportunity. Somebody, give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth.
1: Finally, we're here. Episode 1, the Cedric Maxwell Podcast on CLNS Media Network. I am Josue Pavone of CLNS Media, also of WEEI.com. And this man right here, he needs no introduction. But you know what? I'm going to give you one anyways, Max. 1981 NBA Finals, MVP, two-time NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. is number 31 hangs above the parquet. He is Cedric Maxwell making his podcast debut. Well, thank you very much. It is a,
0: a pleasure. You know, I've always thought about this. Talked to a couple of people, and uh, including you, and you kind of twisted my arm a little bit and made me say, well, you know, you have a lot
1: to say, and people want to hear about it, so uh, here I am. A little bit. A lot of it. Man, we were talking about this for months, Max. I, didn't, I wasn't sure where, you, where your head was at until you kept bringing it up. I said, okay, yeah. if he keeps bringing it up, it's a reason. I've planted a seed. Yeah, there's a
0: possibility. Yeah. Anytime you think about doing stuff like this, I always think about my time and all the events I have to do, and then to do something else included in is Okay, how much can I do, and will I be true to what I'm really doing? And, you know, for this uh, this venture, I want to step out and be true and tell people really what I believe.
1: Yeah, man, so pretty much, and I know a lot of people in the media room can attest to this, there's pretty much a schedule day-to-day at the home games, right? Mm-hmm. You, got, you got Brad Steven talks, you got the locker room opens up, you got people eating, and then there's this seven-minute window where Max comes in. This is about seven minutes before tip offers, so before the player introductions. And this guy just has the room dying laughing. You literally go like table to table. And just like do like your little like I don't even want to call it like a bit, but I can't think of a, a better way to bit describe it. It would be it. good. It would be <laughs> right? good. That's pretty much what you it know, is.
0: This opportunity just to talk to people, yeah. to see where they're at, right? It, but and but it's about like nothing
1: nothing to do with basketball, right? Nothing to do with basketball. Random stuff and
0: just random stuff that you want to talk about, <laughs> and sometimes just to get my mind off the game, and then just to get away from it for a minute, and then get
1: back to it once it gets ready to get started, right? Mm-hmm. But then that little seven minute window is like okay, this is podcast gold right now like, that we're sitting on and literally it took me i don't know i think i started i started talking about this idea probably like what like december or so yeah, yeah months and yeah. months throughout the regular season and i'm like man this is a podcast waiting to happen mm-hmm. so here it is cedric maxwell uncensored i don't know how much he's gonna say you you say you would keep it 100 as you said it or as the kids say you that's 100, 100. that's how you worded it as the kids say i'm gonna keep it 100 so we'll, we'll see how how much of that max that's we good. get from that media room, Max. But let's let's start here, Max. Obviously, you got the Celtics in the midst of a of a, a big playoff series here. Uh, we saw what they did against the Indiana Pacers. I mean, confidence is at an all time high. Seems like for this group. But there's still a lot of skeptics out there, right? In the middle of this series, the Celtics versus the Bucks. Where do you fall in that conversation in terms of how far this team can go? I think that uh, I think people
0: are rightfully so to be a little skeptical about this group. But the way they played this year has been so up and down. But I think if you look at the body of work here in the last month, Gordon Haywood getting healthier, all the good things, good signs for the Celtics, playing better, sharing the basketball a lot more, getting a lot of people involved. Uh, It's almost like they were ready, Kyrie Irving, his group, almost ready to get the regular season over and get to the postseason Mm -hmm. where they handily dispatched Indiana uh, with some skepticism. Uh, coming back in two of those games at home and then really going to Indiana and just kind of laying the wood
1: to mm. the Pacers in, in their building. Which is obviously the big question heading to the postseason, right? Can these guys do this on the road? Because they are going to have to if they're going to go deep into the playoffs, right? They're going to have to uh, start off on the road. They did have home court against the Pacers, but this is a different animal we're talking about, right? We're talking yeah. about Giannis Antetokounmpo, MVP candidate or maybe the MVP Uh, You've got the Milwaukee Bucks, top seed in the East. They're rolling right now. Yeah, they are. They're playing very well,
0: but the Celtics have played them well this year. Mm. Point differential between the Bucks and the Celtics is maybe like one basket by three points or something like that. The margin of error, whoever won the game. But if you think about the way they beat other teams this year, the point differential is probably like seven, eight, nine, something Mm. high. So the Celtics have matched up and played them extremely well. So the other thing you have, though, you have Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving is a, um, he will be that um, that equalizer when it comes to playing on the road. And you think about Kyrie Irving, when he's been at his best, I think it has been more on the road than actually mm-hmm. maybe home. Yeah, I agree with that. Think of him in his career. Right. The biggest shot he hit was a shot against Golden State when he's with Cleveland. And that shot was on the road mm-hmm. in front of 20, 26,000 people in right. the arena. And millions of people right now that uh, were around watching on TV. So Kyrie Irving has that gene in him. And you know. also think about Kyrie Irving. He's a, he's a champion. Right. He's won the NBA championship. He lives before. for these moments. So I think right. that he does. Uh, you'll see a lot more. I think what you're seeing to me is Gordon Hayward becoming a lot better. And Jalen Brown really has had his mm. second half of the year has been exceptional. Uh, he started out really, he was in the fall in the beginning of the year, he didn't know when to shoot. How I mean, he just was trying to fit into mm-hmm. a system of five guys, and it didn't work. Brad Stevens, threw a cr- to his credit, took Jalen out of the lineup, took Gordon out of the lineup, inserted Marcus Smart, and they played much better. But those two guys off the bench might be a turning point, because that's what's made the Celtics so tough to me. If you think about from top to bottom, I think the Celtics are the most talented team in the league from top to bottom. Starting five, no. You know, you look at other teams. Philly could be better. Golden State probably is better. But if you add those other guys in, the Celtics, to me, have more
1: talent than anybody right now in the league. So was that the problem during the regular season? Was it just a matter of these guys trying to figure out their roles and it just sort of took a long time, took longer than most of us expected? Well, we,
0: we expected that Gordon Haywood was going to come back 100%. Mm. As they say, 100 We thought he was going to come back 100 <laughs> right after, you know, when the season started. And he wasn't. He, clearly he was not ready. And he wasn't as ready physically, but I, I think it was it was more mental. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were times when he questioned what he was able to do. You could see he favored his leg and different things would happen on the court and it was frustrating to watch. I'm sure it was more frustrating him as a player, but then you start seeing glimpses in the second half of the year of him playing defense better and that is that Al Horford said it best he said he was more impressed watching Gordon Haywood play defense because when you play defense, you have to react to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So your legs have to be kind of automatic. You're not thinking about it, but you're just going away. You're, just, you're responding right. to what somebody else does. So
1: that's a, that's a good sign for the Celtics. Right. Well, you know, you brought up Kyrie Irving. Obviously, we know what he's able to do in the postseason, his experience, his track record. Throughout the course of the regular season, I mean, obviously, between the his quotes and what was being said to the media and how he expressed himself, I mean, you're closer to these guys than most people. Have you ever had a conversation with Kyrie about that type of stuff? No. Or did you ever?
0: No. No? No. I, I kind of stay. As you and I would say. Or as we say in this I stay in my lane. <laughs> stay in your lane, dog. No. That isn't my position. To talk to now. they but that ask, surprises If me, they though. ask me for No, not really. You think about it. You're, most, young play, most young players and most people aren't going to ask advice the people who are more
1: experienced. But I'm not saying advice, though. I'm talking about just, like, kicking it, just talking to you, just just well, saying yeah. what's up. I mean, look, look, look at the past. They, they, they Paul used, Pierce, they, he didn't they, do that with you? I mean, They say hello,
0: but I was close. But
1: this is the thing. I was
0: closer to the age then. When Paul Pierce first got on the team, I might, I might have been just turning 41 or something mm-hmm. like that. So right now, I'm in my middle 60s, and most of these guys are 20. So my experiences and what I do, we, we ain't in the same, we ain't in the same, same realm, you know. I do know who Nipsey Hussle is, but that's about far as I can go. I can't tell you nothing. That Kodak Black, I tell you what he's no, doing. You know the names. Cause though. I, cause I hear my kids <laughs> yeah. talk about it, but I don't know anything about that. So our experiences are completely different. So. You know, I'll say hi, and, you know, occasionally Al will talk to me sometimes and say something. Uh, but for the most part, no, I, I, don't, uh, I don't deal with them in that
1: kind of, you know, one-on-one situation. Do you think it's a matter of just that, though? Do you it think it's the age differential, in a sense? Or is that just Kyrie's Kyrie? Just to himself? Kyrie has a very,
0: very small group of friends okay. and a very small, trusted group of friends. And, and sometimes I do like that about some of that with Kyrie. I wish she would open up a little bit more. But because he has that close-knit uh, group of friends, including his father, I think that he believes in those people. Mm-hmm. Now, are they giving them the right advice? I don't know. But Kyrie Irving is, has always been Kyrie Irving. Right. Uh, everybody says, you know, has he made some mistakes with the media this year or with the fans? Yeah. You know, initially when you say to everybody, well, I'm coming back. i and decided I'm coming back. I'm going to sign a new contract. But then... They hit you off a month and a half later and you just like, look, I don't know, only I don't owe anybody a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, there was some confusion. Now there's confusion with the fans. If anything, he said he should have, if I would have done it like this, i would have said, you know what my response was in the beginning of the year? I'm just gonna stay with that one. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna change course. By changing course, he accelerated the process of the media getting in on his case or, or talking to him. And this is a guy who says, well, I don't want to deal with the media. Well, if you're an NBA player, you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you're dealing with the media, most of these guys have Twitter handles, social media outlets. So if, if that's the case, how are you, you know, how are all of a sudden you don't want to talk to the media? This is, I've heard players say, well, you know, the, I think it was the commissioner saying, our players right now, you know, some of it isn't funded. What? Well, go out and dig a ditch. You know, <laughs> do something like, you know, go out and deliver some trash or, or you know, d- deliver pizzas. <laughs> this is one of the best jobs in the world considering how you live, what you do, what they pay you. It's just, it's an unbelievably good gig and, and I think that some players in the moment of being in it, don't see how much they, how good they have it until they actually mm-hmm. walk away from the game. You think it's a generation thing? No, I, I've always been. Like, even when I was in the middle of it, you know, you, you still you did not know how good you had it at that time. Right. And even now, the players have it better than we did. Obviously, the money's bigger, the opportunities are better for them. Uh, you know, social media creates a lot of things for them. Uh, the NBA has become bigger, larger, and better. But um, you just have to understand who you are yeah. and be 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 happy with who you are and realize that. Your job is there's a line from here to here to China right now. People
1: just standing there waiting. Can
0: can I be next? Take your can, spot. I, can, I, can I be get right. that spot? So
1: no, let's let's be happy where we're at. Right. I mean, some people feel like he should have doubled down on what he said earlier in the season, but woo, don't lose that word. No, please don't use double down. I've
0: heard that too, coming too much from the White House. <laughs> He doubled down again. Oh, my God. Please, Joe. Whatever you do, don't well, that's use what the, want. Don't That's what use they wanted that. from Kyrie. We, wanted you know, we did, but please, Kyrie, do anything other than double down. You know, just say I'm, I'm coming back or whatever you want to say. But we're not doubling down on this podcast as long as I'm here, all right? Is that one of his terms? I didn't even know. No, I, one man. of his terms. Many times we've heard that from the president. <laughs> he doubled down again on this. He doubled down here. He doubled down. I'm like, the, the man should be in, at, at Foxwoods or the new casino here, you know, doubling down. Blackjack. That's what they say, double down.
1: Well, all right. Well, he, should he have promised or re promised or say, hey, look, I'm going to come back. Don't worry. No. He should have, he should just, have had to, he right? Just, I don't agree with, with that either.
0: either. He, all he had to do was say, refer to my, la- right. my comment earlier in the year. That's all you have to say. And you, you look. I've already answered that question. Refer to back what I said in the beginning of the year. Now, if you change your mind, you change your mind. He has the right. right to do that. But to me, the Celtics have done all the right things. They put themselves in the position right there. Kyrie's playing with a great team, a great coach. And if this doesn't make him happy to want to come back, I, I don't. I don't know what the Celtics could do.
1: Right? Did you ever get the sense throughout the season that? I don't want to say the team was divided, but like maybe some people just weren't on board with how he was conducting himself. I'm sure there was.
0: It seemed like there were times when there was some angst among the players. Yeah, definitely. And especially, you could feel it, right? Especially, especially talking about the younger players like Jalen <laughs> right. and Tatum. You know, that group last year, you think about it, and Rozier, that group took you Almost to the finals. They were one shot away from being to the finals. So they're saying, Kyrie, who? We, you know, we did this last year. So I'm sure that, you know, there was some divide with him coming in. And Kyrie Irving is ball dominant. But still, he's one of the greatest players. He, he may be the greatest finisher I've ever seen in the NBA. And that's that includes everybody. I mean, I've seen the great ones like Michael Jordan. But Kyrie can get to the hole. He has limp to shoot it. Mm-hmm. He can get a shot almost anytime he wants to get it off. Uh, he, he's, he's just unbelievable. You think that's enough to get this
1: team to the finals?
0: Uh, no, that's not enough to get them. They're, they're going to have to have contributions from all those other guys I talk about. Mm-hmm. Aaron Baines has to be just as big as anybody. Because what we see when Giannis comes to the hole against anybody right now, Guys, take a step backwards mm-hmm. because they don't want to be yeah. in, in some some kid's living room. They don't want to be on the poster of some kid's wall, you know, with, with getting dunked on by Giannis. So most guys have a fear of that. Aaron Baines, no, nah. Aaron Baines is going in there where the crocodiles are at. He's from he's from <laughs> Australia. He doesn't give a damn at all. He like bring you know bring it on, bring it on. So I I, I like that. You're gonna have to kind of go through him now. Will he get dunked on? There's a good possibility that happens with Giannis. But he's
1: not worried about that. But he, that's he, right. That, that, that's the last thing he's worried about. Gonna
0: have, Giannis will have to do it. If Baines is around, Baines will will go to the body as well as anybody to try to slow him down. And I think that's a good thing for the Celtics.
1: I think he's almost... I think the only thing he's really worried about right now is, is his health. If I had to guess one thing, because... I don't know, man. Baines hasn't looked the same ever since he came back from those injuries. And you can sort of see, at least in my opinion, it's almost as if the Celtics have him on a unannounced minutes restriction to make sure that they preserve him just for this series mm-hmm. and, of course, beyond.
0: Well, I think that a lot of players at this time of the year are, are like that.
1: True. That's you true. know,
0: that you have injuries and guys. Are tra- and that's why I think it was very important for the Celtics to – Win quickly against Milwaukee. No, excuse me,
1: against the Pacers. Orleans right?
0: and slip right there against the <laughs> Pacers uh, because now you did not. You played your last game was what Tuesday or Sunday? Oh, Sunday, and you won. And you come back home, and you got seven days mm-hmm. that you're not playing. You probably took about three of that three those three days off to just. You know, kind of let your body relax and get your mind wrapped up. So I think it was really good for them to get that series over quickly.
1: Right, definitely. I mean, between these two teams, it's gonna this thing's gonna to go to max if you ask me. Prediction? You got one? I, you know, I like the Celtics. I, I, I like the Celtics. A lot
0: is going to be incumbent. What happens in game one? Um, I think that one thing we talk about all the time is that uh, we talk about Giannis, mm-hmm. and Giannis is a great player. But you can't get so pigeoned into Giannis that you look at like guys like Middleton leave him wide mm-hmm. open. Tony Snell leave those guys open from the three point line. You have to live and die with guys individually going at Giannis for a while and then maybe you bring help from time to time. One thing that does bother me about this series is, you know, not having your best defender. Mm. Marcus Smart Mm. now is Marcus big enough to guard Giannis not but he would get under his wing I think you'll see different guys trying to take that position to take things away from Giannis
1: which ones I think Jalen's big especially defensively
0: Jalen's big Jalen has no fear remember Jalen was earlier this season where Jalen came in and dumped on Giannis, mm-hmm. and then flexed in front of on, on Giannis. <laughs> yeah, he, did, yeah. he got and, him. I forgot about that. And got a technical. Yeah. So it was it was crazy that you know when you don't have any fear like that when you're young. You don't have no fear. You don't have, you don't think about any of those things, right? That's why you know, see so these young kids now, like oh my god, driving like bats out of hell. <laughs> but you know, it's just older people going. Ooh, that looks dangerous. I, I sometimes getting get in the Uber or Lyft now is like, whoa. And it's like sitting in the back seat like watching the damn movie going, man, I wouldn't have made that move. I wouldn't have did that. But young people kind of do some of those things. Was
1: that you in your first couple of
0: years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a speed demon. In the car, I was a speed demon when I played on the court. And, you know, I just remember so many times guys pulling me to a side. One of the things I loved when I got in the NBA was, you know, it was like we'd have practice and it was about an hour. and But then the guys had to stretch for like 30 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> the OGs, Dude, right? Dude, let's, let's play the game so we can get out of here. We got an hour. But they're like, young fella, you going to realize this. And they eventually. I was that older guy saying yo we need to stretch a little bit and sell the ball This, you know so, <laughs> what, what, so yeah. what, at what age did you
1: start stretching <laughs> what uh, age were you, were you that I was, guy
0: I think I was probably like in my about my third or fourth year I was playing a lot of minutes oh okay so you so, did it early so you were I was stretching but I wish that I had uh, got more ice treatment I watch all these guys now I have ice on their knees the big and bags. the shoulders yeah. and the bags and, and it would have done my knees much better and they're shot right now but you know I'm not playing any more balls so
1: when was the last time you played
0: uh just pick up
1: just
0: ooh man that would have been maybe almost 20 years ago most really? of the, most guys said you most nba players when they walk away from the game they walk away now there's a big three so now you have guys who are playing a little bit more mm-hmm. but most of the, most of the time when guys walk away from the game the great ones or, or just good players they don't turn around I remember somebody was uh, talking to Earl Monroe about that. Yo, man, Earl, when's the last time you played? And that time he said, man, I ain't picked up a ball in about 20 years. So guys just, they, they go on, they start doing different things. And really, it's almost like you, it, it, It looks foreign when you see guys play now doing what they are able to do. I just feel like you're so close to the game, you know. Yeah, I'm close to the game, but that means you have to play it. (laughs) A referee is close to the game; he doesn't play it. I mean, I'm just not uh, not one of those guys that wants to, you know, want to stay in shape, but. You know, I've seen more of my friends right now with, you know, Achilles injuries mm. or something happened to the best. How'd that happen? Oh, I was just out, you know, BSing with my son and, you know, I tore some or, or my boys and I heard something pop. I'm like, only reason you're going to hear that about me is I'm going to be walking someplace and something pops. But it ain't going to be because I was out playing. In fact, like I had some guys one time ask me that said, yo, man, we um we need another one. We got... We got we got five we need one more to make six dog you still need another one because I ain't believe- because here's the thing I'd ask you what do I gain
1: yeah true
0: if I go out and I beat you playing right now a
1: what? good time enjoyment good time yeah you, can, good- prove, you can tell everyone look I, I still got it OG good still got
0: time. it I can go in here and watch my Netflix right now <laughs> have a good time and not be and not sweat So I'm good with that. I mean, guys like, oh, Max, you should come back. I mean, one day I think I was in the gym and this guy, hey, man, you want to play some one-on-one? No. (laughs) ain't no one-on-one with you. I mean, what the hell am I going to win? I mean, I'm being, I don't know, Charlie Jones. I'm playing him one-on-one. I win. What do I win? Oh. I had a good time or I'm happy. <laughs> bragging or what rights. Am I, what about bragging rights? You can yeah. talk shit. You can I'm say bragging what bragging you want to bragging say. bragging rights with a guy who ain't never played before and I'm an NBA <laughs> champion. It ain't cool. No, I'm good. I think the last one I played was my son like that. You know, we played him and he was like, he beat me and most most people now within my voice, remember this about your, your child. You might play your child one-on-one but make sure you beat him as long as you can because one thing that happens... Most most parents, once their sons or their daughters or whatever beats them in that game, that's the last time you play. Don't play no more. <laughs> it's a wrap. I mean, I had a great story. You go out with an L, you yeah, can't go yeah, back. No, you, you can't go out. Yeah, you go out with an L. You're you're good. You're good with that. I mean, I I remember one time talking. I did talk radio, and I had uh, Reggie White was in front of me. He and I were the great Reggie White, the football player that passed away, unfortunately. Um, he and I were talking. And I was like, "Man, Reggie, why did football players hold on as long as you?" He said, "He says as a basketball player, he said there are times when you can go out and do pickup and mm-hmm. if you want to, and shoot around with your buddies and you know whatever and mm-hmm. have a good time." He said, well, "Once you finish playing tackle football, you can not never play again." He said, "That's it. You ain't <laughs> going out <laughs> playing pickup tackle. You
1: ain't nobody <laughs> trying to play no. Pick up, tackle.
0: <laughs> ain't playing no pickup tackle." So I do remember that, just some of the guys that I remember and talked to. And Reggie White was one of those guys, and he was so interesting.
1: What if there was a league like the Big Three? Would you have participated? There is a league like the Big Three. No, I mean, when you, were, when you had just walked away from the league, would you have participated?
0: I, you know what? I, I was done. Yeah. I was really done. By the time I got through playing, and I look at a lot of the guys out there, the big three—they're done already too. It's yeah. like you know, just a matter of time, an injury or whatever. Yeah, but everyone's done together. That's the fun of it. Yeah, you know? but it's some guys are, are a little bit more competitive than others. Yeah, and uh, I'm just—I'm just not that guy, you know. Mentally, I like to do things like you know if I'm on line and play Scrabble or different games, you know to be mentally sharp and be physically what I do is challenge myself on the treadmill or the uh, elliptical machine
1: mm-hmm. those those are my challenges right now physically all right well max uh before we wrap up this episode, gotta talk about the the passing of the, of, of the uh late John Havlicek. organization's obviously mourning the whole league n b a as a whole is mourning the loss of such a such an icon such a legend Celtics legend. Just your first couple of conversations with John, what were those like? When you first came with the Celtics, and and what kind of uh, conversations you guys have? Was it all well, basketball related, I mean, or I mean,
0: really? John and I were in two different eras. Again, almost like you talk about the players now. John, when I first got in the league in 1977, John had been in the league 16 years. Right. So I came in as a 21 year old, and he was. He was stretching it out. He was trying to play pickup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he was ending this thing. <laughs> right. So we didn't do a lot of talking, but you know, he was such a, a gracious dude. Uh, my first year with the Celtics, uh, Tommy Heinsohn was our coach. We started out one and eight with a bunch of all star players. And Tommy Heinsohn, to spark everything, mm-hmm. is decided that he was going to take the great John Havlicek out of the lineup and put this young, unproven rookie in, Cedric Maxwell. And uh, I scored 21 points against uh, it was Buffalo at the time. We won the game. The first person that came to me was John Havlicek and congratulated me. And it just showed me what kind of class he was. Now, there were times when John would tell stories, but he would tell these stories that weren't about basketball to me. He knew I was fascinated by nature. Mm. And John was not only a great basketball player, but he was a sportsman. He loved to fish. He loved to hunt, uh, you know, hike, all these different things. When they used to, you see these YouTube videos right now about guys hunting and with spears and guys shooting stuff with arrows. And John had these rifles and he would go, him and Kurt Gowdy, the legendary Kurt Gowdy, they would go on those trips back in the day. They would go to Montana. They would go to Alaska. And they would do all this hunting. And he would tell me about these uh, antelopes. Or he would tell me about a uh, uh, bighorn sheep that he killed. It could have been anything. Went to Africa. And did. So John was just one of these guys that fascinated me by those stories. His fishing. And you know, I said, well, what you guys? Did you have like a mobile home? No, we had no mobile home. No, we had a... Slept on the ground out in the tent. I said, like, outside? He's like, yeah. And so I was like, I, I was blown away by that, that you had this great player, great basketball player, who had a touch with the common man. And that, to me, was really special. John, the thing he did religiously after he got through playing, one one thing he regretted, he said he regretted that he retired uh, that year because he said he wish he had stayed around hmm. a year so he could have played with Larry Bird, which I thought would have been fascinating. And then you talk about a guy who played 16 years, won eight championships, has all those number ones beside him in the Celtic record book. You know, most, most points, mm-hmm. uh, most minutes played, you know, most free throws, he has all these different records. And he is right now, in a way, like every other player, a great player is going to fall through the cracks. And not, you know, you you'll see people who played against him, and you'll see people who cover them. They talk about his greatness. But even for me, as a basketball player, I watched him and I knew he was a great player. But once I got to when playing with John, it was in his last year, so mm. he wasn't really what he was then. So I wasn't looking at him in awe. You know, I was looking at him as okay, it's this old dude still got a little stuff in, you <laughs> know still got a little junk in the tank. One thing he used to do a lot though, after he got through playing. Uh, for the last maybe about three or four years after he got through play he would always come to our practices. And then there would be a time when he was going to suit up and he was going to play mm-hmm. against our rookies and get up and run. And John was still, he would get out there and run, make his little moves. They were a lot slower. <laughs> they were a lot more defined. But uh, he still had a lot of fun dealing with those players.
1: What were some of the last conversations you remember having with him?
0: Well, the last one I had with him was um, – and it was, it was really kind of sad. After linking things together now, I was, uh, Paul Pierce had his retirement. And it's about over a year ago, retired his jersey. And I was, I was excited because they had John there as, uh, you know, former Celtic legends. We all come back, you know, somebody's jersey is retired. We all kind of come back for that. And uh, John was there. And I saw John. And because I played with John, I was all excited. I went up, hey, John, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And then John just pretty much said, hey, hey, how are you? And I was kind of pushed back for a minute, taken back. But then after putting things together now to realize that John probably had dementia. Mm -hmm. He had Parkinson's. He was battling all this stuff. So probably, I'm not sure, but probably didn't recognize me as that player, that young player that he really helped develop during those years. So, in the, in a, a big way, my last conversation with him was uh, very bittersweet. Mm, yeah, that's
1: tough. What a night that night was, huh? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people came out for that. Oh,
0: came out for, for Paul's night and for his night. You know, a lot of uh, players. And that night, John Havlicek's last night, last game, it was against Buffalo. He had like 28 eight eight. And six, and it was like, damn! Like he had just gotten to a damn time machine <laughs> and went back to his rookie year. I was like, damn! I ain't seen this guy. Who the hell is this? And it was, it was just fascinating. But guys made a point of giving him the ball, putting it, putting it on his hands, and 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 you know, just the he had that muscle memory kicked in. And and John for that night well, was the John Havlicek, the great John Havlicek.
1: A salute to him. Yes. Cheers to him. First episode, the Cedric Maxwell podcast. We'll wrap up right there. Good. Okay.